table, Matt Babish. We're back. It's weird being like we do this every other week now, so I don't get to see Matt Babich. I miss you know I miss your scent sometimes. You know, my scent. Yeah, it's when, yeah. since when can you smell me? How close? Matt, that's how a good close point. To my apartment. That's a good point. That's kind of weird that I said that. To be I don't honest. know. I, th- I think you were imagining. You can imagine what someone smells like. I think that like. <laughs> You know, yeah. I can uh, I can tell Matt looks like he smells good, like he has like yeah. a nice, almost like um, perfumey but masculine smell to him. Yeah, you hit, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly what I go for. <laughs> I, I picture like you remember the old Abercrombie and Fitch stores like, you know, they had the guy spraying the stuff all oh the time. God. I have like, a I bottle. Picture- I have a bottle of fierce in my bathroom. There you go. See, we, see, I know, I do know what you smell like, so it's not weird. So <laughs> Is this I, Christian I, Watson shit all just a ploy to, <laughs> to get closer to me? Because if you uh, want, you'll if never you know. Spend more time with me, you can just you'll, you can just say that. You'll never know, Matt Babbage. You'll never know unless I tell you. Um, but anyway, we have uh, a special guest here tonight from the Sonic uh, Truth Dynasty podcast and from Roto Roto Wire. The great Alan Sislowski is here. Thank you so much, Alan, for joining us Absolutely. this evening on the Dynasty Roundtable. It's nice to be with uh, sane people on a on a Roto Underworld Player Profiler podcast for once. You know, normal normal is good sometimes. I'm not sure you have seen a lot of our programming, then, <laughs> Alan. Because <laughs> give us the about good. 20 minutes and we'll derail. I I, I promise you. Oh yeah, you're you're amongst friends. Nor it's my normal, my world of normal. So. <laughs> I meant that I meant that Theo and Matt uh, Kelly are too square for me. Is what I meant. Oh, right. yeah. Not there enough you go. bicycle seat talk between the two of them. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. I feel like we can really be ourselves here tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll get into it. We have so much to talk about coming up right now. So Jameer Gibbs, Matt Babich, Jameer Gibbs. Do you, uh, something happened with Jameer Gibbs, didn't it? Something, something- yeah. The genie came out of the bottle, and this is the moment we've been waiting for. All the Jameer Gibbs truthers, David Montgomery, who's missed a few games due to some torn rib, rib cartilage. We wish him a good recovery. Jameer Gibbs finally took advantage against Las Vegas, just a defeated team. We saw they're, they're clearing house now. Jameer Gibbs has ruined the Raiders, or maybe saved the Raiders, depending on how you look at it. But we see all these tweets now saying the Jameer Gibbs buy window is closed. So we'll get right into it. Alan, the, the people need to know, is Jameer Gibbs worth a premium? Is the buy window truly closed or is there still an opportunity to get him on your rosters? Yeah. I mean, this is part of like a bigger conversation because we have it every year with a different player. So right now it's Jameer Gibbs, right? La- last year it was Ken Walker. A year It was Travis Etienne at one point. I think that you have to be in dynasty. You guys play a lot of dynasty. I'm not going to tell you anything that's going to shock you, but you have to be willing to run into a burning building with these players. The time to buy Jameer Gibbs is when he got hurt. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I never felt like Jameer Gibbs was in danger of being a bust, like ever. You know, like I, I didn't feel that way about DeAndre Swift until it was too late, you know? So like, you know, with Quentin Johnston, we kind of feel like, is it ever going to happen? You know, we, you have that doubt creep in. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But um, you don't want to now overpay for the running back. It's okay to overpay for a young wide receiver that breaks out. Like, it's okay. Go overpay for Puka Nakua. But so I would say, yes, you don't, you want to just, you're on to the next buy low. I would say that if you, I, I think in one league, I was able to buy Jameer Gibbs for a first and a second round pick when he was hurt. 
And now I, if I wanted to sell them, I could sell them for two first round picks to somebody. Right. So uh, to answer your question directly, yes, the, the window is shut unless you want to overpay and nobody wants to overpay. Yeah. It comes, it comes back to dynasty fundamentals, you know, buy low, sell high, you know, like it always comes back to that. And yeah, I mean, Jameer Gibbs, I, I, I remember, and I'm, I don't know if you know, Alan, but I'm the biggest David Montgomery fan in the world. I've, I've been shouting it from the rooftops before the season started. So I always knew that D- Detroit had a plan for this, right? They, were, they weren't just going to throw Jameer Gibbs right in, kind of an undersized running back. But you saw it, I, I felt, right from the Chiefs game. You know, he didn't get many opportunities, but when he got those opportunities, like, oh, my goodness gracious, like this guy's got some juice to him, right? It's something that David Montgomery doesn't have. For sure. I mean, David Montgomery is not a breakaway run artist. I'll be the first to admit it. So, yes, it, it the window has passed, at least in my opinion. I think the real answer is if you need a cheap running back in Dynasty, I might shift my gaze back to David Montgomery. I think that like because he's going to be healthy post after the bye week. He should be good to go. What's cheap? And- though? What's what does cheap mean? I think a sec- isn't a second round pick. Does that sound fair? Like a, if yeah, you're I- a contender? I don't think you're going to get him. I don't think Matt. No way. Right. I don't think so. That's what that's his value preseason before we knew what, what he for sure was going to be in this offense. I don't think it's getting it done. The question is guys, I'm going to put this on you. Would you, if you're a contender, you're a top three team, top four team. Would you give your first rounder next year to get Montgomery? See, the trick I would do is I would see if I can get a little bit something extra, see if see what their roster has. Cause I, that's it's, it feels like it's right in between. I'll give you sky more with them too. Yeah, I'll take the roster spot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, take- <laughs> yeah, I'm not man. Sky Moore, man, I, I was, for a player that I was so high on coming into the season. It's just like it's completely flipped and it's Rashi yeah. Rice now. I mean, and we, and we know like we know that answer, unfortunately. But yeah, I, it, it's it'd be interesting to see what some of the trades are for David Montgomery, because I can tell you this. I know this is might make Matt Babich's head explode. I'm in a rebuild. I took over an orphan. I have David Montgomery. I have no use for him, really. Just trying to get a first round pick for him. Can't do it. Well, maybe, maybe I should try again. I don't know. Like, but I we'll see. Maybe, like what a like a second and a third plus Kendra Miller. Would that do it? Are we getting closer? Don't, don't you guys agree though that like the best time to sell Montgomery if there's no trade deadline or if it's pushed back is let him come back and have like 80 yards and a touchdown? You don't want to sell them now because then you're selling low, like that's, you said. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, and given the nature of his injury, I wouldn't be shocked if he takes a, like a full game back before he truly hits that mark. So on the flip side of it, there could be another even buy low opportunity if there are some overreactors to any sort of you know 35% snap share kind of game in his return. But I, to answer your question directly, Alan, I absolutely I'm giving up a first because mm. if that's where my team's at, right, I'm clearly a running back away. I need a running back. And we look at the 2024 class, not very running back heavy. So unless it's a super flex league and I think I you know, want that and pick for maybe a Michael Penix Jr. that proves that he's worth a first round pick, maybe I'm holding on, but I, I view myself as a, as a manager, I'm closer to the Rams. Like I will, I'll sell it all. I want to win now and in the future, but that mindset is good. Only good if you're winning. So if you're going to hold, if you have the opportunity to sell David Montgomery for a first and you hold, you better win the shit. 
Yeah, look, you're making Seth smile. He's like, wow, I can sell this guy for a first. Like, look at this. You're giving yeah, him I'm ideas. There's, yeah. there's smoke coming out of his ears I just, right now. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm putting, I mean, I'm formulating trades in my head right now. Yeah. Like, that, that's an interesting thought that you brought up, Matt, because I know some people who wouldn't go to where you just went. Like, they wouldn't, like, if, you, if you're if you an win-now team and you need that extra piece, say that, you know, you lost a running back. Like, say you had J.K. Dobbins or, like, I don't know, like, would you do like and and you had just had the pieces right like i don't know there's some people who just aren't willing to go there like and that's an interesting question for alan it's like dynasty philosophy alan are you a let's push the chips in kind of guy you've heard there's a i'm a win always guy right i I don't ever i'm never rebuilding i'm never rebuilding uh it would have to be i would have to have one of the most the grossest roster ever to even think about rebuilding because look how many times like your team just has bad luck whether it's performance luck or injury luck last year if you had michael Pittman, you thought like oh my god uh, can i even get a second round pick for this guy now you couldn't even buy him for a first right and that's just one little small piece it's not like an elite piece right so your team could suck this year you could be sitting there with three wins right now with two wins and then a few things happen in your favor a few guys get jobs tajay spears all of a sudden is a starting running back in the nfl oh i got my rb2 set done uh and then you know uh, Cortland sutton this year right it, it, if you thought he was a dead piece last year now all of a sudden in these like sick leagues where there's four flexes he starts every week for you so i'm always trying to win but i'm a little bit cautious about spending my first round pick but in matt's situation where he talked about like you know to say i lose saquon barkley in a, a week heading into the playoffs i'll spend the first for david montgomery if he's already at that producing level yeah to, to kind of paraphrase something that scott connor said i'd rather be known as the guy who whiffed on trading a first for david montgomery than a guy who just sat on his roster and finished fourth in the league mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. You remembered for something. Right. Unfortunately, uh, I'm I made a lot of we all have. I mean, we've all made these horrible trades that we regret that really set our teams back. Um, I, you know, I one year after Juju Smith Schuster broke out, paid two firsts and two seconds for him. And then obviously the next year he was wide receiver 70, I think. And that just killed my team for a couple of years. And then I compounded it with other trades. So we all make these horrible trades when we first start playing dynasty that we learn when's the right time to, you know, we have one bazooka shot, right? That's that first round pick. And we know when to use it once you've been playing for seven, eight years. Some of people don't, but for the most part, you know when to use it. Yeah, no, I, I made one of those trades this year for Daniel Jones in a super flex league, you know, like that we've chronicled on this because the, the the theory behind it was, oh, my God, Daniel Jones, I think he's going to take the next step with Brian Dayball. The signs were there. You know, so cool. even I like with all all this information that I that I have and all the research that I do, it can still happen to anybody. You know, yep. like and, and, and I was a quarterback needy team in a super flex thought I was a contender. What'd you pay? You know, what's the, what's the uh, iron it was, price? It was a it was a package deal. I got like. I'd have to look back at it, but I, get, I ended up giving Garrett Wilson in a first for like Daniel Jones, a starting tight end and like another player or something like that. So we've all been there, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, but, you can remember your worst trade also, I'm sure, you know? Oh my gosh. Uh, I gave up, I, I secured Mike Evans and I gave up a, a 2022, this was in 2021. I gave up a 2022 first and a 2024 first, which ended up being the 101. At least Mike Evans has been producing though. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. But at the same time, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting like 30 point spike weeks from Mike Evans. That's pushing me to two and seven instead right. of one and eight. So it didn't yeah. really do me any good. Yeah, I'm sitting there with Juju Smith Schuster on my roster, missing <laughs> two first round picks. Give me a freaking break, all right? It cost the Patriots 30 million dollars. Let's. Well, I, yeah. They let Jacoby. <laughs> they let Jacoby Myers go, and they signed Juju. Man, the, oh man. Yeah. For the record, I meant Juju after his rookie season. Okay. That I, you know when the, he was the consensus, or not that he was like eighty yeah, percent of the people want, wanted. Di- he was dynasty wide receiver one. Oh, in, yeah. In like consensus rankings at one. I, I was in startups where Superflex tight end premium startups where he mm. was the first round pick. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Sick. No. Crazy. Mm. Uh, Michael Darian in the chat said, worst trade I've ever made in Dynasty, Kelsey for David Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, that yeah. one hurts. Yeah. I, um, what's it called? I bought David Johnson, what, what ended up being, uh, it was like a first round pick the following year, which ended up being the 101 for Saquon Barkley. And I gave him Joe Mixon as a sweetener. So I also ended up with a, da- a bad David Johnson share, which by the way, I flipped for three first round picks to some other sucker. That's when we were still trading three first round picks for running backs. You guys experienced that at one point, right? That like those trades don't happen anymore. I'm too young for that. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was at the tail end of that. I saw a few of those go down and I was was so early and I was like, how come I can't make that trade? You know, Jonathan Taylor for for three first round picks, I I think was was probably. He was the last one for it to happen. You're right. You're right. All right. Well, speaking so, of speaking of rookies that that outperform expectations and get some surreal value, uh, we during our regular season shows we've been doing kind of temperature checks on rookies and sophomores because those are two stages in a in a player's career where their value is the most volatile. So there's a lot of value opportunities with rookies and sophomores. So we'll start with our rookie temperature checks. We're gonna we're gonna go around the table and say whether we're above, at, or below market on a certain player. And uh, we'll kick it off to you, Alan. Rasheed Rice, where are we yeah. at with him? So I think I'm at market, but the market has gone higher, right? I mean, right now, if we redrafted our rookie drafts. Everyone watching your show has done a gazillion rookie drafts. And he was going, what, like 2.3 to 2.8 in our rookie drafts? He'd be like, he would. He might go ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba. He would go ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? I mean, we all know Puka Nakua would go in the first round. So I think I'm at market knowing that his market's higher. But isn't it amazing that he got shoved down the rookie board because of what happened with Sky Moore. And Sky Moore got shoved up the rookie board the year before because he was just the receiver with Patrick Mahomes. We didn't even care about like their profile, their talent. So short answer, though, I'm at market. I'm willing to trade a good player to get Rishi Rice on my roster. I don't know if I would like give up like my first round pick next year because you want that like liquid first. But uh, at market, knowing it's a high market for him. Yeah, I think I think I I'm putting him on the block. I think to be honest with you, because I think it could have happened at this trade deadline. Really, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to be in the market for adding a veteran wide receiver in the off season. I, I, I again, like you, you look at some of the metrics, the target share, thirteen point one percent. I know he's a rookie, right? So I have right. to get. I, I'm factoring that into route participation on the season isn't quite to fifty percent. I, I assume that's going to go up, but there are a lot of other receivers. I mean, Sky Moore is still there. I know MVS is a field stretcher, I know, and obviously Kelsey. And they're including Pacheco more out of the backfield as a, as a receiver. Um, I, 
I think his value right now just kind of, and I don't know how you all feel about it. I think his value is a little bit higher than it should be. That's so fair. I'd be willing to put him on the block and see what I can get. But I'm feeling really good if, you know, because if you picked him, you picked him in the second, maybe even the yeah, probably second round of your rookie draft, maybe third, maybe mm. he slipped there. Probably not, but would you take JSN or him right now? Oh, I'm, I would be a team JSN. Okay. That's fair for sure. Um, what about you, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, we can't get too carried away with rookie season performances. It was, we were getting a little carried away thinking that JSN was going to come in and immediately crack this consolidated DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett target share, you know, nearly two years of experience with Geno Smith. You know, it was a lot to ask for to have G- to have Jackson Smith and Jigba blow up right away. That being said, his usage has been very concerning. Uh, incredibly low dot. not seeing a lot of down-the-field targets, but we've seen the highlights of what happens when they do use him in those in those expanded roles. So still believe there, if I could sell Rasheed Rice and maybe even plus, if that's how drastic it's gotten, I don't think it has. To get Jackson Smith and Jigba, I would. Um, we kind of use keep trade cut as our crowdsource. Um, you can only, you know, all these expert rankings, you know, we they're going to be a little bit more accurate, whereas keep trade cut is somewhere more of a, a potential estimation of where the public views somebody. And Rasheed Rice is wide receiver 30. That's so fair. that's, that's yeah, it's very fair. And so to to side with Allen, I think I'm at market. You know, the, the obvious worry is, is the early season target share, uh, only a 13% target share. But he's top 10 in targets per route run, 50-plus percent route win rate. Uh, he's 11th in yards per route run. And so he and he's getting red zone looks as well, so commanding red zone targets. Right. Now, I, I firmly believe that this is all a mind game by Andy Reid. There's no reason not to use him more right now. And I, I think maybe the Chiefs don't think they have to. So I, I do expect some increased usage down the line. Uh, I think his market could potentially get even higher. And Seth makes a great point about, you know, the Chiefs being potentially a, a wide receiver seeking team in the offseason. Uh, so I'm at market. I'm not selling yet because I, I, I think all the peripherals are there for him to start blowing up. And, and we've seen Kansas City's offense struggle lately. So they're going to have to start just pounding what works best. And that's throwing the ball to Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Can I just add one more thing to maybe uh, persuade Seth a little bit more? And uh, it's that. When you talk about dynasty and rookies specifically, it's like, who's the quarterback they're attached to for the next few years, right? JSN, again, we're, this isn't a JSN versus Rishi Rice thing. I like JSN as well. But there's two two players, two rookies that are attached to really good situations. One of them is Rishi Rice. And like you said, they'll be looking for a veteran. I don't think I mind that with Patrick Holmes going to throw the ball out. And the other one is Quentin Johnson. He's <laughs> he's attached to a really good situation for a yeah. few years. I'm not saying he's good, but he's the other player that's attached to Justin Herbert's an elite quarterback that's a rookie for the next few years. So uh, I think that matters. I think that matters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can dream of a better situation for right. a wide receiver for sure. Like no, I I think you're you're very you're being very selective with the like I got an offer for Rashi Rice in the Dynasty Roundtable League that I couldn't reject fast enough. And it was a 2024 second and 2024 third, right? I can't yeah. give them away for that. Yeah. Like that's, mm-hmm. you gotta, you, um, so I like, if you get an offer, that's like, Oh my man, they're offering me that for Rashi rice. I'd consider it, but you know, I see, and I'm seeing where, what people would be willing to give up for him because I, yeah. I, I, I like this chief's offense. We've seen it struggle. 
and and maybe Rashi Rice can be the solution to that, like Matt was saying. Um, but I do think that they're going to be in the market for a veteran. But I I do yeah. think Rashi Rice is going to be a valuable dynasty asset too. So you have to you have to weigh all that and make the best decision you can for your team. So using that same logic with you know the the, the situation that the rookie is in, are we underweight on Puka Nakua as we do not know what's going to happen after Matt right. Stafford leaves? So, <laughs> so you you're making an excellent point, right? And we're we're about to find out when Brett Rippon uh, is is the quarterback this week Man. what that's going to look like, right? So we're we're not just giving him average quarterback play. We're not like saying okay, Andy Dalton, go in and let's see what happens. We're giving him like D minus quarterback play. If he comes through this week, forget it. You know, this is just like. You know, the new 1.1 in every format. Kidding. But uh, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I think that the difference with Nakua is that he's produced at such an elite level that you're willing to forgive some of those other things. But th- it's such a good point what you're saying, and I cannot wait. That's one of the most intriguing games this weekend. Just And it's only a sample one. Even if it was good or bad, it's not really mean anything. But I want to see it with Brett Rippin, man. Oh, yeah. I mean – I'm fascinated. That's a fascinating storyline to be sure. I've, I'm glad that you brought that up because yes. Yes. it's going to be so intriguing uh, to see how that how that all plays out with Cup and you know they're going to be likely playing from behind, so they're going to be chucking the ball. So we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But that's a great point, Matt. All right, so Seth, we'll we'll kick it back to you for player number two. Marvin Harrison was very much above market on this receiver prior to the NFL draft stamped Josh downs as his number one receiver in the class on his, on his Steve Smith shit with that one. So Seth, uh guy who's clearly the number two here in Indy for the foreseeable future. Where are we at on Josh downs? It's so, this is fascinating um, because you look, you start to look at the numbers for downs and you're like, holy crap, he has a 20% target share already. Uh, He's on the field all the time. He's number one in the league in slot snaps. So he's playing a lot of the slot. I don't know if he quite qualifies as a slotty Pippen. We'll have to ask PPR Tyler about Mm -hmm. that. I don't know, but man, this this is I'll, I'll admit it. This is a player that I wasn't as high on uh, before the process. I mean, he looks really, really good. And with Anthony Richardson coming back, I mean, that we'll see like how that fits together. Right. Like Anthony Richardson. I wish we could have seen Anthony Richardson with play more with Josh Downs. But what week did cow. Richardson get hurt, guys? Was it three or three or four? What year does he what week was he out out? I think it was week four, wasn't it? Four. I th- he got hurt a couple. T- he had the concussion in week two, and then he had the. I think it was week four. So week um, five is the first Gardner Minshew week. That's yeah, when Josh so. Downs really took off. So this is another one of those interesting quarterback situations, like you just mentioned. Yeah, no, that, I would have loved to see more Anthony because we know Anthony Richardson's the future there. But there's a lot of in, intriguing metrics here, and I don't know if and and you guys can weigh in on this too. I don't know if Josh Downs, if people really, because with Rashi Rice being on Kansas City, right? Like, oh my gosh, he's with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if the enthusiasm is there quite yet for Josh Downs, but may, I could be off base on that. Um, so I'm, it's, it's I'm, there. It's, it's there. there. Okay. He's above Rashi Rice and keep trade cut by two spots. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that then, then I, but I'm probably holding, I'm probably at market with Josh Downs because I really, really like him. He, he's doing the exact opposite thing. Like he's produced for multiple yeah. weeks straight. You don't have to guess, but 
he strikes me as the guy. Uh, uh, by the way, you didn't even call me. I just went in second. I figured you were going to anchor. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, how it goes, that, that's how it goes around here. I'm we being a terrible guest. And... Terrible guest. No, no it's right into the group. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, how it goes. Opposite, Some, actually. Sometimes yeah. people wait politely for their chance to speak, and I don't. I, I prefer what Alan's doing right yeah, now. So. Exactly. Well, I also think you have to be a generous performer. You know what I'm saying? Like you want yeah. to make sure. Yeah, yeah, you guys get it. We could we could do a whole half hour on content itself there. I love that kind of stuff uh josh downs to me i, I could be wrong and the, and the truth is we really don't know we know what we see we know we have what our our pre-draft process and thoughts were um to me after josh downs had a quote breakout for a couple weeks my immediate thought was not just sell him sell high right because that's what we always say we i do it too it's terrible dynasty advice it's like here this is what you should do with josh downs so i tested it out in the market i had my qb2 in one of these super flex leagues is geno smith I said, what can I, I said, if I add Josh Downs to Geno Smith, can I get up a tier to the to next level of quarterback? That's how I got Tua on my team. Now, there were some other pieces involved, but the guy was hot on Josh Downs. He loved them before. He stupidly mentioned it in the chat a few times. So I was like, oh, okay. As soon as it happens, this is the guy I'm going after. So my first instinct, and I could regret it, was to pair him with, with another piece to get up a tier. So that's how I played Josh Downs. I hope Now I hope he fails. <laughs> no, I think that's the perfect way to view it too. Yeah. And you're not just selling him because it's a sell high moment, right? You're, you're being very strategic and saying, you know, I, I could really use, you know, a Tua and how is that going to get done? Well, now's a pretty good time to sell Josh downs and, you know, the pieces are falling together and that's how you get a trade done in dynasty the right way. And to be, to just answer the question directly, I'm pretty much at market, but I'm looking to, tear up where I can if I can if I can trade a Josh Downs that being said if I'm a young team and like if I am in a full rebuild where my wide receiver core is weak I think I'm I want to hang on because uh like I kind of mentioned with Rasheed Rice the peripherals are all there he he's running an elite amount of routes from the slot I mean leading all receivers in slot snaps and that's a very fantasy friendly position to put yourself in especially when you have a uh, 57% route win rate per player profiler which is seventh among receivers right now and then he's also granted it's like you said it's an interesting situation right now with with is Gardner Minshew propping him up I I don't think so I I think that has more to do with Anthony Richardson you know being a dual threat quarterback so obviously there's some natural lowered uh, passing numbers there but at the same time learning the NFL game it's going to take it's going to take a minute so he has Pittman locked in, understandably so, and Minshew's a little bit more experienced. Uh, I, I won't say he's that much better at going through his progressions, but he at least has the capability to to look around the field a little bit. So the peripherals are there. He's getting elite opportunity right now. He looks like a good performer. So depends on the situation, but now's a great time to, to can, try and package. Can him. I ask you guys a pivot question here? That's absolutely has, just made me think about this. So it, with Anthony Richardson, right, you're there. You're the Colts. You like what you saw, but you obviously are like, all right, this guy is going to get hurt in his career. We've already seen it. Is backup quarterback an important thing for you? They can't just be like, oh, we have Blaine Gabbert. You know, like they need to like strategically think who their backup quarterback is going to be. I'm going to be paying attention to that if I have Josh Downs on my roster. And, you know, if it's it really depends because some teams you see what happens. Like you have Brett Rippon when the offense, when Matt Stafford gets hurt, that, that's not going to be an acceptable if the Colts want to win next year. I, I think as far as team building goes in the NFL, I think, and this is just me, I think the backup quarterbacks, one of the, like an underrated position, yes. because if you're a quarterback, if you like, look at the Vikings now, I mean, 
they would i know they went out and made a move for josh dobbs but i they they have nick mullins and this up uh, this rookie right i can't i'm spacing on his name right jaren, now but jaren hall or hall, Reed? Yeah. jaren hall jaren hall yep. jared hall um so again that this was a team that was start off really poorly looking a lot better recently and they're in trouble like i i don't know we'll see but the backup quarterback is to me if if i'm if i was running an nfl team i would invest in that position for sure because especially if i have a contending team and my quarterback goes down for a couple weeks and i just need somebody to not f it up Mm. you know and just you know we'll rely on our defense that hopefully we built well you know so yeah, with, with alpha producers, I'm not as worried about it because we have the Tom Savage corollary kind of propping them up where, you know, if Pittman were playing with, let's say, uh, Brett Rippon, you know, what's going to happen every time Rippon drops back? He, right. He's going to look right to he's going to look right to Cup, going right, to look right to Pittman, Mike Evans, whoever it is on his team. He's going to be honing in on, on that particular guy. And so with alpha producers, I'm not as worried about it, but fringe players that need a stable role from a from a good quarterback to be held up like uh maybe like a george pickens or a deontay johnson uh i think mitch trubisky is serviceable but if they were rolling out jaron hall on thursday night football uh, i wouldn't be playing either of them i wouldn't be playing any steelers at all so it it matters a bit but at the end of the day you know injuries can happen to anybody so uh, you can't be can't be over wary of it we should have to play backup quarterbacks in fantasy like that should be yeah that should be one of punters too let's let's make punters a thing point per extra point hold right i, I like yeah. that like hang time you know hang time five, you know five seconds you get five points if the camera point. if the camera shows the backup quarterback talking to the starting quarterback after an interception there five points leadership bonus leadership i like that i oh you know what so i i've seen this floated around and again i, I won't derail the show too much here but the uh i've seen this float around for the pass interference the software is need to implement if your receiver gets pass interfered with that you get the they get like half the yardage or something like that. A forty yard pass interference draw should be at least two points on for the receiver. That's I think I think that's a good I think idea. I'm, I think I'm old headed here because I I don't I don't want it. All right, I like yeah. I like that because like, that's that is like there's nothing worse. Let's just be honest. It's there's nothing worse than seeing your receiver wide open. The cornerback just grabs them because they know it's going to be a touchdown if they if they don't do something about it. And then it's like, oh, that would have been a touchdown. And then the running back. Lo- yeah. Yeah. Gets at least it. get something. Like two points might even be. A, we'll, we'll have to talk about this. We'll have to talk about this. Something. Next yeah. thing we'll do, we'll be giving points for air yards, right? Real fantasy <laughs> nerd shit. We, you know? on, on our on our Denny Carter shit, we are working our way to points per process. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Expected fantasy points per game only. Can you guys explain expected fantasy points to me? This is the most like yeah. overused term. And like to pretend you're talking to my grandma, like that just knows a little bit about fantasy football. When someone, when they say expected points, who's making this stuff up? So it all, co- I, I am a data analyst by trade. So mm-hmm. I have a hard time like getting this to a basic level sometimes. So if you need me to keep go- dialing it back down, I, I will. But remember so, my grandmother's in the room. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's 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 tough to explain it to a grandma, all right? But I'm going to try to explain it to ahead. a fantasy football fan. I have you the have, definition pulled up if you need it, Matt. You have data behind every single play. So the math looks at every single play that it is analyzing, 
And so let's say it's from, you know, 1970 all the way up through last week. And it has down, it has distance, field position, um, you know, time left on the clock. Are you in the two minute drill? Is it the top of the first quarter? The game script or is your team up by 20? Are they down by 20? And so all of these factors control what we would expect to happen in a game. And so based on all of these game factors, like where you are in the field. So at, you know, first and 10 on the opponent's 20 yard line. Okay. And you get a pass that's 20 air yards. So an end zone pass. You basically take the average of every time that play has ever happened and you get your expected value. So whenever someone says expected value, it essentially just means the average outcome given a situation. That's fair. If my grandma gets it, grandma gets it. If you flip a coin a hundred times, you have a 50, 50 shot. So you would expect 50 heads and 50 tails. But let me ask you this guys. Does it take into account that Tom peak Tom Brady's throwing the ball or Jaron Hall is throwing the ball, or is it just a complete average of all that baked into the cake? That's actually, uh, yeah. I'll plead ignorance there. I actually don't truly know if you would right. take a, a, a quarterback's skill or, or a head coach's scheme. I, I would assume the latter is definitely not calculated. Right. Um, but to my mm-hmm. knowledge, it's it's mostly personnel agnostic. That makes yeah, sense. That's how I understand it as What's well, What's the Matt? book definition? What's the book say? Oh, you, re- you ready for it? Yeah. You guys, yeah. See, and just so all of our listeners, they can find this information at playerprofiler.com slash terms dash glossary. So, yeah, and, and by the way, um, sometimes I think that we get so lost in the sauce that people appreciate conversation like this. You know, they just, wait, pull it back. Absolutely. I hear this all the time. I want to actually be able to explain it to somebody. So go ahead. And that, yeah. by the way, that was an excellent explanation. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. It, fan, yeah. I think this uh, Matt, we need to update the definition to have Matt Babich write it, uh, but me- measures the value of individual plays by calculating the expected points scored based on down distance and field position situation at the start of the play and cr- contrasting it with the situation at the end of the play. So that's per that's exactly what Matt Babbage just said. Yeah. And I, but I think Matt said it better than the book. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Matt yeah. needs to rewrite the book on this. He should topic. make a series of videos where you click on the definition. Matt comes up and explains it. I just gave you more that, work to do. This is the evergreen content do, that we I, can do in yeah, February. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, but I think it would yeah, be useful. A good idea. Yeah. No, I, I, Hey, there we go. Um, who's the, who's the next rookie on the, on the sheet? I don't, I, don't, I believe we, it's Tajay, Tajay Spears, Tajay Spears. So, okay. I'll just start Tajay Tajay Spears. We see him. The electricity is undeniable. You look at all the advanced efficiency metrics, how often he's breaking tackles, breaking out long runs, creating yards on his own. It's all a supernova, Uh, but he hasn't beaten out Henry for significant touches yet. Henry's not going anywhere this season. So I'm, I'm at maybe below market on Tajay Spears, because I believe at the end of the day, one of two things has to be true with no ACL. He either has a limited lifespan with high injury risk, or he's going to have a backfield partner to keep the tread on the tires. And I lean the latter there believe there. He looks, this is a, it's disrespectful a little bit given what we saw, but he looks like a compliment back. Yeah. He looks like the, the satellite plus guy, but with his projected usage in the passing game, if Will Levis is going to be running a high-octane offense, which he can, I believe, then he has significant PPR value. So I'm at market. I'm wary of of the price I'm paying to acquire and the shares where I have him because he was such a cheap rookie pick. Uh, I'm holding because 
there are better days ahead. There are non Derrick Henry days ahead. But if I don't have him right now, I'm very hesitant as to how much I have to pay because the hype is there. Everyone's it. They're, the people are in on Tajay Spears. So it's really easy to say, you know, buy low while Derrick Henry's here. But the price isn't that low right now. He's one of the guys that didn't gain or lose any value. He stayed exactly where he was when you drafted him is in the late second round, right? Or maybe he dripped into the third round. I didn't see that happen too much. Look, everything you said, yes, it's like a fun player to own, but he hasn't produced yet. And like you said, all right, Derrick Henry is going to be on another team next year. Let's just say in our hypothetical. All right, the Tennessee Titans signed Saquon Barkley. They give him the money they want. He's back where he started again. There's almost such a low chance that they they give him the keys to the car. It just wouldn't even be good. Like for all the reasons you said with his his uh his ACL, lack of ACL issue, and it's just not what he is. He's the perfect complimentary back. I you said it, you said it right. Um he's a nice player to have. He'll have projectable weeks where he's named the starter cuz the other guys out and you can earmark him for 15 touches. So I'm going to be at market uh but like the cooler side of that market. I'm not I'm using him to get to another another one of these players where if someone likes him, I'm going to add him to something else to get to the next level. Or if someone like, you know, to tear down the other way as well. I think that's very well said, man. I I just pulled up keep trade cut and I just do this to get a feel for it. He's he's RB 20. By the way, no shame in keep trade cut. I, yeah. I know there's some people shame that. It's it's supposed to be it's not a perfect thing, but it's a at least a reflection of what the market is thinking today. Yeah. And man, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I I'm a big Tajay Spears fan, um, but man, RB 20 right now. I think, you know, he's um, it's going to be interesting I because I, I initially I was like, oh, man, I I'm a, I'm buying Tajay Spears. I mean, I'm loving what I'm seeing. But the injury like after talking with Matt the injury concerns are, are, are real. I mean, that's, it's the Todd Gurley thing, right? It's, it's the same kind of injury. So I, either he's going to be a compliment complimentary back, or he's a shooting star. If he gets that role, right. You just never know what's going to happen. And so I know we play dynasty in two to three year windows, but RB 20, man, I, I, I probably, that's probably a bit rich for me, but yeah, I, I was it called, guys. I mean, look at the the players that uh, keep tra- cut has underneath them. I mean, Derrick Henry's underneath them. There's no way. Yeah. And even if if Derrick Henry was walking around there with a cane, but he's the starting running back, I, I'm yeah. still gonna take him, right? I mean, you know, Absolutely. Rashad White they have low. I know player profiler is high on on him, so he's probably mispriced here. But I I I think that. So where are you? You're be- you're above or below market? You never said. I'm I'm below. Yeah, I mean, me I, it's 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 so funny. Like you can start th- like because initially, like if if you just like without any research told Seth Dewald, hey, are, do you like Tajay Spears? I'll be like, oh yeah, I love Tajay Spears. But then it's like, okay, well, where his where should he be valued in the market? And you look at keep trade cut. You look at other data points, and you're like, man, I I like him, but I don't know if I like him that much. It's such a fascinating conversation to have. And it's like, it's what dynasty really is. It's like, these are the conversations that shape the values of players. And it's, to me, it's one of the more fascinating things that to talk about, you know, like, yeah. And how you could possibly uh, tip the situation in your favor somehow. Right. Like that's kind of what it's all about. And that's been a big critique of the dynasty content community lately is having these conversations where it's just so easy and, and I'm not, 
this isn't at no other channel or anything in, in particular, but in Call general. Out some channels. Call out some channels right now. <laughs> no, let's start, I. Let's start I, a war. Let's start a war. I'm with you. I, I got yeah. you back. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I actually can't really, really call anyone out in specificity. My mic gain is going crazy right now. It sounds right. good on air. Sounds right. good on air. Yeah, we Maybe can hear you. On my end. Anyway, it it's really easy to say buy low on Tajay Spears. You know, he he all these peripherals, he's he's gonna get more, you know, he's gonna get more opportunity. Take a take a step back and actually ask yourself who is selling Tajay Spears and what are they selling him for? Like is it great point easy to is it easy to acquire him? Is it feasible to acquire him at a reasonable value? And and right now, I mean RB20 is is significantly overpriced in my opinion. He is 10 spots above our final rookie. And I think this is uh, a good value opportunity here for Roshan Johnson, who hasn't moved terribly up the up the public consensus rankings yet. There's been some issues with you know fighting through the depth chart with uh, what's his name, Khalil Herbert and uh, Khalil Herbert and, For- and Foreman. Khalil mm-hmm. Herbert, Foreman didn't really. Yeah, I mean, Foreman really was a, a, a victory of circumstance there with Roshan Johnson's concussion, but there's another thing that Johnson had to overcome missing a few weeks. So Seth, the Bears fan, we'll let it we'll let you turn it into a Bears show. Mm. Give us your your monologue, your your manuscript on Roshan Johnson. Well, um, I think the buy window is gonna be long because I know that they I they I think they like Darrington Evans a little bit too. Like, so I, I think he's going to have a roster spot just to give everybody to try to give everybody based on the bears talk radio that I hear and the, the, the beat reporters that I listen to. So it's going to be like Khalil Herbert's coming back and he's going to play this year. Donta Foreman showed what he can do in, you know, in, in like in reserve role. So I think that, I think we're going to have a good opportunity. I think it's good news for Roshan Johnson, because I do believe that in 2024, Roshan Johnson is going to be the lead back for the Chicago Bears because I, I do believe he's the most talented running back out of all four of those guys. And I mean, he can just do everything. I mean, we've talked about it here multiple times, but I just, you know, we're in week nine right now. The Bears are, there's really no incentive to rush him back. I mean, it's the Bears are the, I know they just traded for Montez Sweat, but that's a long term move. So I, the good news is, I'll keep coming back to this. I think our buy window for Roshan, and I really like him. You, you, there's no rush. Like you can kind of feel out the market, let people kind of sour on him, and then you can pounce when the moment's right. Yeah, with, with Roshan Johnson though, it's we can handle a committee of two in fantasy football. By the way, there was a time in fantasy football, I'm sure you guys remember, where a committee of two was like, I'm not drafting the second running back on, on a team that has two. What are you crazy? Yep. Now it's like, oh, it's only two. I'm in, right? it's a committee of three. That's a problem. And then when you add in a running quarterback, that's almost like a committee of three and a half committee of four. Now it's not a hundred percent that Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback for the Chicago bears next year. I mean, if they get pick one and two, it's almost certain that he's not right. I mean, it's a, it yeah. would be an upset if he was where if they can retrieve some sort of value for him and then take their quarterback of choice at the first pick. So then, you know, the half is gone at least, but it looks like, uh, Roshan Johnson, I always thought, I know player profiler loved them. The problem is I'm caught between, I'm like a, in a love triangle because I do a lot of content work with player profiler. And then I do a lot, obviously with Rotowire where I work full time and those guys hate them. 
They think he's horrible. <laughs> so, you know, so to them, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I start telling them all the counterpoints and the other, you know, I'm like really in a love triangle here. So I- I'm somewhere in the middle. If Put it this way, guys. Let me ask you. This is a good question for you. Matt, if if I was, if you have Roshan Johnson, I, I'm going to give you your money back. I'm going to give you my 2.5, my mid-second. But you just, do you want out of that business or you, you're, you're going to hold on to Roshan? I'm holding on to Roshan. There's, there's better days ahead. It, it and like Seth and, and yourself painted out the 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 reasonable negatives to his profile but looking at some of the other backs that are near him uh we go so i'll go one above and then start going through roshan johnson so raheem mostert is the first back above johnson uh obviously right now if, um if, if i'm a win now team i'm trading roshan johnson for raheem mostert but i don't think that's getting done ever damian pierce gross aaron jones jalen warren kendra miller Najee harris jerome ford james connor khalil herbert I don't want any of those running backs. And you know, we're talking about a mid second. So with this receiver class, we're talking about tier two, potentially, you know, bottom of tier two, top of tier three, depending on how things shake out receiver running backs by the two, five, it's going to be gross. All the elite quarterbacks are going to be taken. So there is a deep class and I'm kind of underselling the the class on the surface here, but like Seth said, I still firmly believe Roshan Johnson's going to be the backfield leader next year. Justin Fields likely not going to be the quarterback. Could be Caleb Williams. Could be Drake May. So uh, I'm going to buy in on on the better days ahead. But I would I would consider myself on the cooler side of the market in, in general. Yeah, no, I I am right there with you guys. I mean, it's the Bears historically. I mean, they they've done a lot wrong, but I think their approach to running backs is actually actually pretty good. Like they don't. I mean, I know like back in the day they did, but re- recent history, it's a lot of let's draft Khalil Herbert in the sixth round, let's draft Roshan in the fourth round, let's sign Dont the Foreman. Like it's not a position they really invest a ton in, at least in recent history. And Ryan Poles is a generally generally a new gm he's this only his second year on the job so i think I, again i think roshan we're gonna have our opportunities if we like them so it's i think it's a good thing and i think it's it's ultimately a good thing like how they're handling him too and not rushing him back from the concussion and so anyway i know it's a little frustrating initially for dynasty managers but i think roshan's gonna be just fine yeah uh, re- harry what what one am i supposed to want there what what really got got your rocks off in that name? Was it was it Jalen Warren, Najee Harris? Was it was it Damian Pierce? Uh, oh, Damian Pierce. Oh, oh Jerome Jerome Ford, Nick Chubb's mm-hmm. Nick Chubb's backup. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I think that listen, there's it, there's a clear like polarization with Roshan Johnson, which is great. I mean, this is what you want in your dynasty league. You want someone to want the thing that you have, and they you you know, it's like. You could see a trade going down. We talked about Josh Downs. Josh Downs for Roshan Johnson. What a great dynasty trade for someone that needs a receiver. Someone else needs a running back. There it goes. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect, like, if you're a rebuild team, like, perfect asset to yep. go get is Roshan. We need players like that. Mm-hmm. So before we get to our struggling sophomores, uh, if you didn't know, back uh, in the summer near near the beginning of the season, player profiler completely revamped their data analysis tools. So they took one of the best data analysis tools in the industry and they they turned it into one of the best data tools in the industry, if not the best. So the, the data analysis tool from Player Profiler is pretty much a daily visit of mine. All these advanced metrics you're talking about, it's a very quick and easy way to create and generate your own reports. 
and filter by games played, team, position, and it, you can quick export anything. And, and the, the whole tool is, is the, 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 the UI, the, the user interface is very pretty. It's like underdog, you know, you, you, you feel like you want to go on there and use it, but uh, let me, let me, let, can let me I give you a practical case use that I did it with the other day? Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. So the other day I was, uh, we, we were trying to figure out like, is Trey McBride going to have a good game against Cleveland this weekend? Right. So I went on there and I learned just kind of accidentally, but it was easy to find that Cleveland, uh, doesn't give up many receptions to the tight end so far this year. So I was like, oh, okay, everyone's pumping Trey McBride this week, but because of the uh, the, the the suite, the data suite the, of tools on Player Profiler, I was like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the week to start Trey McBride. So now I have like a question because I have that information that I found in, in the on Player Profiler. And that's the way to use it. So we're gonna take a quick break, and during that break, we'll we'll tell you a little bit more about this data analysis tool. All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report. And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the fantasy tools section, click on data analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data dash analysis. We are back with the Dynasty Roundtable podcast live with Alan Seslowski. So before the break, we were talking about some rookie potentially risers, potentially fallers. Now we're going to talk about some sophomores who are certified struggling. And the sophomore year is a very pivotal year in Dynasty because Clock is ticking on your lifespan as a dynasty asset. So we're going to go over three struggling sophomores and talk about their outlook. Is there any hope left? And we're going to start with Alan and talk to us about Jahan Dotson. Okay. I thought you were going to go uh, talk some running backs here. Jahan Dotson. All right. Uh, Dotson, man, he showed enough so far in year one and going even back to Penn state when he was like 20, when he had 20 touchdowns in the last two years. I mean, the guy was a touchdown catcher. I think he has a Sam Howell problem here, but we saw this week him come alive. There is upside there. It's just that we're missing consistency. I think everything that Dotson has done in his, his, his rookie year. And he's already, thank God he's flashed the upside this year. There's enough there to say, look, this is a first round receiver. Who's a good player. Um, and, can get you fantasy points. It's just that he's struggling right now and there's reason for optimism. Again, calling him a buy low, I guess that's accurate, right? But like, what is buy low? I think that he's a player that you want to get included in a deal coming to your side because, I mean, even if Jacoby Brissett at some point takes over the quarterback, which who knows if he's going to, um, 
you know, there was a rumor today that they're going to be courting Bill Belichick to come over and be the uh, the coach next year in, in Washington. But I'm just saying is that anything that changes could be even better for Jahan Dotson. I'm in. I'm a believer. He's already showed it on an NFL field. Yeah, there's so much uncertainty with Washington right now. I mean, Washington, they just trade away two of their uh, primary, like two of their pass rushers, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Looks like Ron Rivera's on the hot seat. So it could be a completely different situation next year. And who knows what they'll what they'll decide to do with Sam Howell. I would, I would assume they would keep him. I don't know. But I I think I'm leaning by as well. I Just last week, it's funny how things can change. Just last week on this show, I was, I was talking about, oh man, it would be really hard for me to buy Jahan Dots. And I don't know what's going on. They're having him hold kicks on special teams. Like we all saw that on Twitter. So I, it's it's just a weird situation. It felt like kind of like the Brandon Ayuk situation, where it's like, is, is he in the doghouse with the coaching staff? I I don't know. It's just a weird situation. But yeah, I like you said. You said something earlier, Alan, that kind of stuck with me. It's like sometimes you got you can't be afraid to run into a burning building, right? And Jahan Dotson might just be a you know. The more I think about it, the more I think, man, like yeah, this this might be a good opportunity if you liked him initially and. You know, if you're a believer to to buy low on them. So what what do you think, Matt Babich? Finally, I can pick a fight. So right. uh, I, I did mention it two weeks ago on this podcast, and, and I'll admit the, the week eight resurgence shook me a little bit. But at the same time, it's his second ga- good game all season, and it's the second game against Philadelphia, who's been one of the more exploitable secondaries for receivers this season. I said it. I said it two weeks ago. I'll say it now. His 2020 rookie season was, or 2022 rookie season was fake. It was a mirage. He was propped up on an unsustainable touchdown rate with a Jameis Winston esque balls deep Taylor Heineke quarterback. Just at, you know, F it. Jahan Dotson is down there somewhere. Uh, we we look at 2022 games where he did not catch a touchdown. Zero fantasy points. Two fantasy points two fantasy points, three fantasy points, six fantasy points, and 10 fantasy points. So it took until week 17 for him to crack five fantasy points without a touchdown in his game. Now, he had a couple of games over 100 yards. He he showed some promise, but at the end of the day, he wasn't a target earner, sub 18% targets per route run in back-to-back seasons. He's not a route winner, sub 37% route win rate, which is essentially our player profiler's game charters. They watch every snap from every game. I did this for two seasons. Uh, and they determine, you know, within a certain amount of yardage, was a receiver open on a given play? And so Jahan Dotson not getting open, not earning not earning targets. And so I, I don't think he has a Sam Howell problem. I think Sam Howell has a Jahan Dotson problem. It's an interesting way to look at it. And I and I certainly uh, respect the, that, that opinion there. It's just that, he was a touchdown catcher. So I agree. He's going to be boomer bust. He's like the type of wide receiver three. I want on my team where remember Will Fuller, you'd put him in your lineup and like, you'd get like 36 points or you'd get like zero. And you'd be like, wait, was Will Fuller? Did he play? So there's other, I think there's other, I don't want to just, you know, keep going around and around, but I, I'm passionate about Jahan Dotson because I'm just looking back I'm I'm on player profiler right now. And I'm looking at those last two years of college. It's the same thing that he did in the NFL too, but the 20 touchdowns in two years, man, the guy, you know, he's like a, like a supercharged Tyler Lockett. I think that consistency has been missing in his game. And I, I think that that is that, you know, you could win the argument if you just say, Hey, he's not consistent, even for a volatile wide receiver, you would win the argument. 
Yeah, and that's not. I mean, you, you clearly you're a player profiler user because Tyler Lockett is is Jahan Dotson's is best it? comparable player. There you go. Uh, but and so yeah, v- valid points and 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 that's the pro argument that that keeps me somewhat centered in the argument. So I, I'm I'm generally selling, it, it, um, but you know, meta dynasty conversation. Am I selling for what I want to sell Jahan Dotson for? Right. Not right now. So I, I do have Jahan Dotson in one league and I've had him on the trade block for a while. Haven't been able to get anything done. So I, I'm trying to shop him because I, I don't, it, with most of my dynasty setups, his profile is not the one I want to lean on. But Would you take I, a mid-second for him right now? Yep. Okay, well then you're out on him. And we're buying. Seth, we're buying for a yeah, mid-second. Yeah. I, I, for a mid-second, I think I'd pull the trigger. Yep. Can I get can I get Romo Dunes in a mid in a mid second? Oh Dunes, do, do you think I can do that? What receiver in twenty twenty four am I getting no. for a mid second right now? Not it's Rome. Like, Rome, Rome's good. I mean, Rome. it's, uh, what you think who, who will be in the second round will not be. They'll move up to a first. Other guys yeah. will move down. But yeah, I mean, you yeah. guys, you just pull up your Debbie rankings and you can yeah, kind of right, see. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I you, mean, if Rome, if Rome isn't making it, and we we start looking at the the receivers below him. I think it's a pretty big tier for me, at least it's a pretty big teardrop. So, uh, well, I'll make it a more obscure thing. If someone offered you like a mid 25 second. No. All right. Well, then you're maybe no. still in a little, I think, I think we caught him. I think he's in on Jahan Dotson now. <laughs> we we browbeat him. Always <laughs> I, I, I got moved on David Montgomery. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. David Montgomery. I, that took some doing Alan for me to convince him on it's David months. Montgomery. Oh, it was like the same conversation on every show. The audience was like, can we stop talking about David Montgomery? Well, you please? know what? He's that he's the he represents a type of fantasy player that's completely boring. He's not fun to own, but you look up in the box score and he's got 17 points. You're like, oh, okay, this this works for me. Right. The the good mm-hmm. thing about Montgomery is no matter what, he's back next year in the same role. And I mean, you know, yeah. we, you, you said it before. Dynasty played in two year windows, three year windows. David Montgomery's there for the next two years, maybe a third if we're lucky, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I learned a valuable lesson this dynasty offseason, as did a lot of people, where we have never really seen a running back get this elite draft capital and then be conserved to start the season. And we've we've now seen it twice with Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. So the historical data had basically shown running back in the first round, they're going to to get this immense level opportunity because of their draft capital and that's clearly not the way teams are viewing the position anymore. And it, it even dates back to really Travis Etienne. He, he didn't, I mean, he, he got hurt his rookie season, but I, I don't know if we were going to see bell cow usage right away with where he was at NFL talent wise. So we're, we're in a new era where we have to be a little bit more patient. We can't freak out when we see, you know, slow usage to start their careers. If only there was a history of Arthur Smith not using his elite draft picks, uh, high usage, right? If, if only we had that information. Only. We we could do a whole show <laughs> of me, of us just burning Arthur Smith <laughs> down to the ground. Like it's, un- but there has to be a disconnect between the GM and the coach there. Like this, the GM has to be up in the, the, the box, right? With his, you know, with his notepad and his laptop going, why did we draft Kyle Pitts again? Like, well, didn't we have a whole conversation about how you wanted Kyle Pitts and how we were all in on Kyle Pitts? Because this he's is so, like, I don't like what are, he's so out of touch. It, it's it, and he gets to like waltz up to the podium with his stupid fucking mustache <laughs> and say, 
oh, well, sorry to all those fantasy football players out there. That's right. not what it's about, Arthur. It's just uh, well, it, your asset you know, allocation is atrocious. That's what it's about. Do you think we'll ever see a fantasy football like person become even like a consultant or uh, to a coach or something? Like, do you ever think we'll have? Matt Kelly or Evan Silva, the uh, the Titans assistant uh, consultant on the sideline. I mean, do you think we'll ever have a, a, a fantasy person there? I think we're getting there. I think the, the data teams that NFL teams are putting together are essentially the same thing because at the end of the day, we just want to use – you know, statistics, information to, to inform our process and, and make better decisions, more data-driven decisions, make better bets. And so uh, that's what these data teams are trying to do. And these data-driven teams are starting to put together better rosters. They're starting to target the the right players in the right positions you. you know you see the, the you see the switch to some of these teams just massively prioritizing offensive line in these premium positions early on in the draft so that that's our equivalent that's as close as we're going to get but it's a win regardless and and the the data-driven teams are starting to separate themselves from the falcons and the the steelers and the right. patriots we all we all know about the arthur smith billionaire thing right you know that he's a billionaire he's with a, a B. I did not know that. Yeah, he's, yeah, that's he's, why. Isn't he, isn't he the son of the Fred? Of Fred F- Fred Smith is the owner, founder of uh, FedEx. So, FedEx, I do remember yeah. that now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think Theo told me a couple stories because Theo went to uh, either some he went to high school or something with him where uh, they were taking you know not Theo but the Arthur Smith and his friends were taking private jets back and forth to college games. I mean, this guy does not give an f about uh, you know when he says i don't care about fantasy because you know we all know fantasy and gambling is the lifeblood of the nfl without it you know i mean i'd watch my team but i wouldn't be watching two horrible teams on thursday night maybe i would maybe i wouldn't but if i didn't have a bet on it or have a fantasy interest in it you know so the the nfl knows where their their bread is buttered so to speak i wonder if there's any sort of correlation between the age of of an owner of an nfl team and how data driven they are because it's just the Steelers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, who are a little bit better than others, but the Bears. A lot of these yeah. data-driven teams have some some you know family history involved in these teams that are just they you know they're they're more in the business of kind of keeping the family business alive than they are like actually being a winning franchise. And so yeah, Virginia McCaskey famously did not. The rumor was she didn't fire Dick Duran because she had a she went to church with them. It's, it's so reason. Can, you don't want, you don't want to he, screw with God, uh, right? You don't want to exactly. screw with God. So it's like a that's been a <laughs> that's been a thing in Chicago for a long time. It's like a George McCaskey's the nicest person in the world, but it's a mom and pop shop. It, like that's been said over and over again. So you know, you know, it's funny because they say you know the people argue the Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable franchise in all of sports, but you could say imagine if they were the Super Bowl winning Dallas Cowboys, how much more valuable they would be. You know, so. Exactly. I don't think they're winning one until Jerry dies, but that's a that's a topic for another day. He wanted to take Johnny Manziel. Remember, his son talked him out of it, and to to take Zach Martin, who ended up being yeah. what a fifteen year, a ten year Pro Bowl guy. I mean, the yeah. guy was, uh, you know, he, he was making like he was like the drunk guy at your fantasy draft. <laughs> Dude, I, that those are the days that I miss. Sorry oh. to go off the rails. Do you remember? I remember being in a fantasy draft where Mason Crosby got picked in the third round. Oh, it was amazing it. by the Packers fan. You know that was about six beers in. That's exactly right. I miss those days so much. Like it's you know in home leagues, it probably still happens sometimes, maybe. But back in back in 2015, uh, uh, 2016, a friend of mine 
he he ate one of the biggest edibles I had ever seen and then took Chris <laughs> Ivory in the fourth round and and we we still we make fun of him for it to this day. What, Chris Ivory had the, was by the way was not a starting running back for an NFL team at this point. Right. He was he on the, he wasn't on this he was like a backup for the Saints. He was like the third running back that everyone like liked or something, right? Yeah, like the Saints or the Jags or something like that. I mean, he he was not I mean, he was a 12th, 13th round guy. Yeah. We we had it we had some dude that would just like blow lines on like the dirty toilet in the bar and then come in there and just like take, and then just take like a, a player that had been drafted like four rounds ago. So yeah, no, we, 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 I definitely, and like, you know, I say some guy, I, it might've been me, but you know, I'm only, <laughs> only there kidding. We go. Only there kidding. Here it was we, here the dirty go. toilet that gave it That's, away. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. The disgusting, like piss toilet and everything. It's, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, sticky floor, probably. (laughs) There we go. go. We're just testing the monetization uh, last right now. Yeah, we're just you know this is all research driven. It's after nine o'clock Eastern time. It's fine. Yeah. So the reason I I shocked you a little bit, Alan, with the show sheets because I forgot I had put Damian Pierce ahead of Jahan Dotson. I had scrolled a little too far in the document. So we'll we'll reel it back on the show sheet a little bit, and we'll we'll bring it back to Damian Pierce, struggling sophomore. Is it is it over for him? He's definitely droppable in redraft. But dynasty, is there any hope? Uh, I think that you got what you paid for with Damian Pierce. He was a fourth round running back that got a starting opportunity. This is where draft capital matters, right? I don't think it matters as much as we all say it does, but this is where it matters. He's guaranteed nothing. If he was drafted in the first round, like Najee Harris, right? He is Damian Pierce, but he's going to continue to get opportunities past his usefulness because he's a first round running back. Where if the minute Damian Pierce stops producing, out see ya like you're just a backup running back so you got what you paid for i'm you know you you can't even get a second round pick for damian pierce right now so uh you're just gonna have to wait for a blow-up game and and hope there's some consistency if you want to keep using him because you're not he's not even sellable right there with you i I, you know I'm, i'm still a fan of the player i i know the metrics aren't on my side but likely not gonna get a starting job unless there's an injury right so i i don't have much more to add to that i we, we kind of talked about it on the last episode it's it's very discouraging to see games where he's getting 32 percent of the snaps and that single terry is getting more of the work right that's very very discouraging so i'll even go like you can't really start him you know you, you hopefully you've got better options right even though he is on the texans offense that we all love and that's you know up and coming but yeah, yeah, it's I I don't know. Like my my sicko instinct is to see, uh, can I get him for like a fourth round? Like how how out is somebody on Damian Pierce? Like can I scoop him up for like a cheap cheap price? Like that's where my instinct goes. But I don't even know if it's really worth it. I would give you Damian Pierce. Like I I would <laughs> yeah. for like yeah. honest, legitimately, I would consider trading him for Fab. And yeah. I'm not wow. even being hyperbolic. We're we're. <laughs> It's over. I, I called it in early August. I said De- Devin Singletary w- would hit a point where he was well, going to get. 50 I want to ask you why. What did you see that you called it? Because I, I, I didn't see this one coming. I can't, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But I'm, what did you see that you called it? Mid tier efficiency, you know, not very solid receiving usage or efficiency. So, so on the surface, you know, when you see a guy that that ranks like in the mid thirties. In a lot of these these peripheral metrics, it's 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 a very you, you got to pick your spots because it it can show a lot of promise. But we saw a Texans team that ran way more than we would have expected them to, given how bad they were. 
And then they come in and they draft CJ Stroud. And then they, you know, they, they play some draft capital in tank Dell. So I expected the, the Houston offense to take an uptick in passing attempts. And so Damian Pierce was not a very good rusher in terms of rushing yards over expected. And so that kind of takes back to the, the expected fantasy points where how much rushing yards would we expect a player given his opportunity to get versus how much he gets. And then He's also was graded by PFF as one of the worst pass blockers in the entire league. And that was the big red flag. So why would a why would a Houston Texans go out and sign Devin Singletary? A guy who has always been a mildly effective rusher, just like Pierce, but has been known to be the pass blocking protector for Josh Allen and an effective pass catcher in a pass heavy offense. So they signaled what they didn't see in Pierce and what they did see in Devin Singletary in a completely new regime in Houston. So yeah. not only does the, was the draft capital low, but it wasn't even spent by, you know, the, the, the or consulted by the head coach now in D'Amico Ryan. So no attachment whatsoever. Uh, and there just wasn't a lot for me to buy in on personally. And we saw the run rate regress. We've seen the past snaps tick up for Singletary and, it, whether it's going to be Singletary, it's going to be somebody else other than Damian Pierce going forward. It, guys, the uh, the thing that we know now in hindsight too is that Singletary is good enough to ruin the fantasy value of the back that he is sitting next to in that in that running back room. Zach Moss was a, was was a star this year, right? I mean, he was the, yeah. one of the answers in fantasy football. And he was basically cast aside in Dynasty because we thought he sucked for three years. And what's that? Com- you know, A plus B equals C. So C must equal A. But, you know, all these different. It's uh, Devin Singletary, right? He's one of those guys that, like, the coaches trust. He's Jamal Williams without the production. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> <He's> just- <laughs> We're speechless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, Show's we, over. Yeah, that, that Matt would end the show on that. Yeah. Um, but we do have some interesting comments in the chat. I know we're, like, running over, but these, these – Guys, I'm, I'm committed to you for the night. Whatever you need to do here. You want right. to end it, keep it going. I'm good with you. Don't worry about it. All right. Zach Wilson has been a new man since he saw Donna Kelsey. Wow. Most fourth, fourth quarter comebacks hasn't thrown a pick in five weeks from Slashy. Um. Yeah, Chris Ivory was that dude from Slashy. It was the Jets that he was on at the time. Quick correction, because my he he got a Chris Ivory Jets jersey to memorialize the the incident. Uh, Jake it's Moody, Patrick, Chris Ivory. He day. was a Saint at one time. He was a Jaguar at one time. He's a journeyman. He, yep. Anyway, and he, Anthony says the porcelain stays cold. It's it's research driven. So <laughs> there you go. Funny. That's a good there, comment. There you go. The chat is alive. So what else we got? To, what else we got, Matt Babich? All right. So last on our list of struggling sophomores is as somebody who I was out on and then in on, and now I'm kind of out on and spoiler alert, but we got a new quarterback, Will Levis for the Tennessee Titans. Does that mean we have a sliver of hope left for Traylon Burks, Seth? Yeah, I, I think his values low enough to the point, And I know there's not, a lot of evidence for me to, I mean, you could look at the metrics. I mean, it's not, it's not great. Right. I mean, this could be Nikhil Harry, right. But oh, I'm willing to give it a shot. Insult. What an I insult. know. I know. I know. I, I mean, but there, I, I don't know. Like there's something about Traylon Burks. It's like, just when I think I'm out, they, he pulls me right back in. Hmm. And I don't know if Will Levis is that answer or not. I'd like to see a couple more games, but it seems like this price is dirt cheap. And I'm willing to take a shot if somebody's willing to sell for that dirt cheap price. Do you, do you, Matt? Do you know what quote he just pulled there? Do you know what movie that's from? With just one amount, they pull me back in. 
Oh, okay. Thank you for repeating it because yeah. I was looking up the score of the Rangers game. Yeah, admittedly, yeah, yeah. And I listened. He said, he said, uh, just when I'm out, they pull me back in. He was referring to. Okay. Uh, it was he just it was, admitted that he wasn't paying attention to what I was saying. I was. I was paying attention. Is yeah. the Godfather? Okay. Is it the Godfather Part Two? You're close. Godfather Part Three. You got it. You got it. Mm. You got it. But that, I'll give you credit because yep. even any mention of the Godfather. That I think that you would get the uh, well, maybe on Jeopardy you wouldn't get it, but like on Family right. Feud you'd get it. So it's been a while since I've seen the Godfather trilogy, but it hasn't been a while since I've seen the Sopranos, and they do oh. that line like every other episode. I just did a rewatch maybe a month ago. I mean, you know, I've been re- it took like six months because I did it slow, but come on, man. Oh, I just just we could do a whole Sopranos. Podcast. I could do an entire Sopranos. Podcast. All right, well, next time I'm, I'm on. I'm, next time I need to <laughs> see. I need to be the guy who just watches i've never seen a single episode of the sopranos so i well, guess i need to i've got some i think of, you would i think you would like that one for sure okay i, I, mean, I don't quoted the godfather who wouldn't do it yeah <laughs> i haven't I've, i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i haven't i've seen the first godfather i haven't seen part two or three yet I well just then how the, the hell quote. did you know that quote i everybody knows that quote it's oh. a really famous gif yeah right. uh, okay anyway, so right. i've got homework to do i gotta yeah. you know i gotta watch these movies and the you know hey guys so here i'll just do the Traylon Burks thing quickly. Uh, this this trade was sitting in my inbox, and uh, I won't even tell you if I took it or not. Um, just call them the the teams, like two semi neutral teams. S- somebody offered me Traylon Burks and the next year's second for Deontay Johnson. It just Ooh. it's sitting in my inbox. Wow, it's been there That's... two days. I still haven't decided if I'm going to do it or not. Wow. And there's no answer, right? I mean, because you could see both sides of it. That's, you know, that's a good offer. Like that's, that's a that's, good offer. It's that's good fair. Offer. That's that's a fair deal. Like yep. it, it kind of depends on where your team's at. But I mean, I just said neutral. You're both neutral. like the five and six. You say, okay. you know. Then then if you're in it at whatsoever, I think I would keep Deontay Johnson. That's and the even if you're for next year, just because you're not yeah. in it this year. Remember, we just talked about in the beginning of the podcast, guys. Yeah. You could be right back. At, I lost on that team. I had like six or seven guys on IR. It's one of those things. So all right, you're. You're taking Deontay because you, and yeah. then I'm so taking Matt, Deontay as well. Yeah, that's that's where my head's at. All right, so we like Traylon Burks, but we don't really like Traylon Burks because <laughs> if we did, we would take yeah. the deal. I like the idea of Traylon Burks. <laughs> like it should it should have worked. Like it yeah. should really work, but for some reason, it's not working. And 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 that's yeah. the thing. And if you rewind the our dynasty lessons learned clock a few years, we could have a completely different argument about this but what i what i wrote in the show sheet notes is i've just been down this road too many times before promising rookie Mm. you can give him the excuses of of injuries and and things like that but there comes a time where you you have to be able to call time of death and i think we're 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 getting there with traylon burks the only saving grace is that we get to see him with a real quarterback now but i don't know how well that's going to pan out because i don't think I, i don't know if we can be certain his knee is very healthy Mm. Yeah, yeah, LCL sprain to start true. the season. It looked like he was yeah. going to be out a while and then w- came back shockingly fast. And then, you know, knee soreness in the same knee in, in week four, misses a few weeks, comes back and only gets two targets against Atlanta. So, how healthy is he? And, and if we have to suffer through an entire year of him trying to battle through this knee injury, he's not going to look good. And so, maybe there's a buy low opportunity there. But, you know, at the same time, you have to see something in order to, to, make yourself want to to pull the trigger there in that deal. And, and I, I think that's probably the perfect deal to put in front of somebody and say like, are you in or out on, on Traylon Burks? Right. And, does, and, does it change so your mind if it's Traylon Burks in a first 
for Deontay Johnson, that makes it a lot easier, right? Like even if Traylon Burks fails, you just got a first for Deontay Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Isn't and that funny? Worst, yeah. yeah. Worst case, it's a roster spot that you gain, but I do want to, it's funny how these things work. You remember that Traylon Burks was basically traded for AJ okay. Brown on, on draft day and the, and the general manager who made that trade is, I believe is fired now. So I mean, or is not no longer with the Titans, at least. So wasn't that one of those where you knew it was bad right when they did it, right? You were just like, <laughs> I think most matter. people thought, like, what? They gave away AJ Brown for for what now? Right. And you, you look at what Kansas City got for Tyree Kill. I'm not saying like they're both great players, like they both do different things, but it's just amazing. Like looking back on that stuff. Some trades you just know, like when the Bears traded for Claypool with like oh basically. God. I wasn't going to do it to him. I wasn't oh my god! <laughs> we, we we can all talk knew. about them trading a second for Montez Sweat, who's going to be on a different team next year. Well, I, I just saw something that they're no, trying they can, to like long term him. I just saw that uh, a note they can pop up. they can franchise tag him to worst case, but yeah, that's I don't know, man. I I think I I think the Montez deal is a little bit better, but the Claypool one is absolutely atrocious. It's, you can't defend it. Like like you knew like if the Steelers are trying to get rid of somebody, if Mike Tomlin, who's been around the league forever, if he can't work with Mike Tomlin, I mean they fleece the Bears in that deal. And I tried forever to go like, well, there was really no wide receivers in the draft or in free agency. And then they traded for DJ Moore. Um, so you, it's made, like, you made the point about Tomlin too, right? Like when he got rid of Antonio Brown for a fifth and sixth round pick, everyone thought he was nuts. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whenever the Steelers are trading somebody away, like whenever the Ravens are trading somebody away or wh- whoever you think is a good organization, I, th- I don't think those two are really good. Or the Eagles, like Howie Roseman, whenever Howie Roseman's trading somebody away, like, uh, yeah, might not want to be on the other side of that deal most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. So great points all around. Before we kind of wrap up and get out of here, let's quick look ahead to 2024. We've been talking a lot about 2024 draft picks. So first of all, Seth and I, I we got some pretty good plans, I think, for for some offseason content because we're, we're going to be trying to plan these things called it's a Dynasty Roundtable Film Sessions. So we're going to try and do some film meets analytics here and get get some groups in to, to actually watch some of these guys in action and break down some film. But so far, from what you've seen, Alan, who is your unsung hero of the 2024 class? Yeah, so uh, admittedly, I start wa- I start doing like my, my rookie study after the the season's over. But how can nowadays, like even like the casual dynasty player is so aware of all the headline guys. You guys are part of my process for, for me learning about the rookie. So the, the thing, and I saw this question, you sent it to me earlier. So I said, you know, I'm not just going to pick some guy and like fake, like I know him or anything like that. I, I There's a player that like this running back class is already being pushed down. Like, oh, they're not as good. They, they're not, you know, it, it's all about the quarterbacks and the receivers and some of the other, you know, offensive stuff, the tight ends with, with Brock Bowers. But let me ask you guys, you tell me, is, is, um, is Henderson, is Travion Henderson, going to be the first running back off the board in the real NFL draft. And is it, I mean, even if he's a second round pick, is, is he the guy that you guys are looking at? That's maybe flying a little under the radar in a sense of like, you know, people are focused on other positions. That's really the guy I wanted to highlight and ask you about on this, um, with this exercise. I, I really like, I think he's at this point in time, he's, he's my RB one. I, I did in it, like when I was initially going through my first round of, just film study and, you know, analytics study. Trey Benson for me uh, was that guy. I mean, Trey Benson runs a four three seven forty, or at least it's on record that uh, he has that kind of upside. And But Henderson runs like 
tough, physical, kind of reminds you a little of Marshawn Lynch, like the way he just grinds it out for every single yard. So yeah, I, I like him a lot. I th- I think he's, I think he is like this because all, all the attention's on the wide receivers, right? That's like, what I'm especially, saying. Especially Marvin Harrison and Ibuka. So when and, you say under the radar, that's what I'm saying. Like this position is under the radar. If yeah, from my yeah. perspective, what do you what do you think, Matt? Is he uh, is he more like a pro, the most likely guy to be the first running back drafted in the real NFL draft? At this point, I, I really think so. Uh, I think a lot of the questions that were surrounding him, which were mostly driven just from not having that that stranglehold on the backfield, and so we're seeing it this year. He he's dominating the touches. He's active in 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 a bunch of phases of the game, and, and he, like like Seth said, like he he just he kind of just profiles as as the best back right now. And and whether you like it or not, being at Ohio State means something. Yeah. And so you got Trey Benson, who's who's at Florida State, and then you have Raheem Sanders, who's at Arkansas. So th- these are two good programs, but they're not Ohio State. And then, and again, it, it's hard to quantify, but it's not it's impossible to get away from. There is the intrinsic you know, oh, Ohio State, you know, Chris Olave, you start playing the name game, all the players that have come from Ohio State and, you know, J.K. Right. Dobbins and all, all these talents. And I, I think with the way Travion Henderson plays, the competition he's playing and and the the echelon of the school he's coming from, he's most likely to be the first running back off the board. And and he was actually my, my answer to this question in, in general. That was my guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Man. And if I have the fifth pick in my Superflex rookie draft, I'm getting RB one. It looks like right. There's going to be a few quarterbacks, a couple receivers. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it, he's going to get pushed down the board, especially if he's you know in uh, part of a, a drafted to a team that already has like a, a dusted starter. Like you know, like back in the day, Nick Chubb was drafted to a team that had Carlos Hyde, so he got pushed down the board in your rookie draft. So I'm hoping something like that happens to me. Yeah, it it almost feels like the first three picks of the 2024 draft are already set in stone and i it, i guess it could change but doesn't it just feel like obviously caleb williams number one drake may's probably in the top three somewhere some team's probably gonna be interested in trading oh, the real up. nfl draft to come up the real nfl draft mm-hmm. yeah and then marvin harrison like marvin harrison to me if like, the bears get one and two though they might yeah. go harrison and caleb williams they, right they probably yeah they probably should like and at that like and I love the the tackles, uh, like Joe Ald and the other guy from Penn State. I I can't. I'm Olu Fashanu. I was Fishanu. actually just about to venture a bet that Olu Fashanu gets taken ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's a trade up to Chicago. You should make that bet like now yeah. on DraftKings, right? If it's uh, if you're in the legal sports yeah. betting area, because I man, I if it's me, Harrison just looks like Calvin um, Johnson. Unbelievable. unbelievable. He looks like Marvin Harrison. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he looks bigger than that. It's right there, right? it's it's like I'm blown. Like when I watch him play, it's like I know, and I know everybody feels this way. So it's not a unpopular opinion, but it's he's unbelievable. I, cool. Anyway. Who, who are you guys underrated? I'm, I'm, this is I'm curious about because I, I like hearing the people that watch a lot of college football and that are really into it, uh, getting those early takes because I'll remember what you said here. I'll, it'll it'll weigh on me a little bit as I go through my process. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, a guy that I've been on throughout the process uh, is Roma Dunze from Washington. He's been one of my favorite wide receivers. He got like good size, like runs a plethora of routes. Like they, they use him in a ton of different ways and he great contested catch. He could just kind of do everything. So I think, I think he's going to be a first round. He's, he's risen up the board 
since like so he's kind of like that song on the radio that's getting played a lot right now uh so i bet he's gonna be a first round pick so that's not really a, a sleeper um but i i like uh, i'll tell you a guy i'm a little concerned with. like xavier worthy from texas looks really good like he's a little bit undersized but he's got the speed to burn like the 429 speed um those are those are a couple perceived like but i'm kind of a little bit worried like outside of uh, Travion Henderson, um, like Will Shipley, like some of these running backs, like Braylon Allen uh, is huge, um, but it's just, they're just not, I don't know. I like, I watched Braylon Allen play against Iowa and I was not really blown away with, with his, I, I feel like there's a lot, a lot of meat left on the bone with Braylon Allen. So like, we're really early in the process right now, but like two guys, I mean, Malik neighbors from LSU is I think unbelievable. Incredible. Like, like that, <clears throat> Yeah, like my initial, uh, like I think it's really strong at quarterback, really strong at wide receiver. Brock Bowers, I think, is a, like I'm very excited about this class. Like, but we're really early in the process, so I don't know if I can give you a good sleeper right now. But uh, like Jordan Travis, I haven't che- checked up on Jordan Travis, the quarterback from Florida State. Uh, but I, uh, early like before the college season started, I was really high on him. So I don't know if he counts as a sleeper, but. Anyway. Pick one, goddammit. You're like my wife in an ice cream store. She doesn't pick her flavor. Yeah, I'll I'll go with Malik Neighbors. I, I, like I don't think I don't think any of these guys are sleepers, though. Yeah, like, you're picking like thing. wide receiver two here. Now, I know. Yeah. Xavier Worthy could still be a first round pick, but he's also right now slotted to be like wide receiver five. That's right. And yeah. he could be he could be a guy that ends up getting to a friendlier situation because of some later draft capital. And he's he, he kind of like Josh Downs with draft capital. He's very fluid in his routes. He can take the top off of defenses, but he also has the ability to, you know, take the ball in the short areas of the field and and work the work the yak. He has a good body control on the sidelines. He doesn't, you know, he he has somewhat of a tendency to to let the ball get a little inside at times, but uh, for the most part, you know, attacks the ball at the catch point. Uh, Xavier Worthy has that game breaking speed, and and I know he's a little undersized, but if that's going to be something that drops his value that's only going to increase my confidence more that he's going to be an unsung hero because uh, something I believe in uh, we've, we've we're seeing, I'm a big hockey guy and we've been seeing it with hockey for the past few years where smaller players are learning how to be craftier, shiftier uh, and, and more technical than their, than their bigger physical counterparts. And we got the first little dose of that with Devonta Smith. And, and I truly think we, we live in an era where, that doesn't matter as much anymore. I think Tank Dell is the real deal, and he's even smaller than Xavier Worthy. So, I, I you know, if you're going to be, if you're, if you're good, if you can get off the press, that's the biggest issue, right? Can can they fight the physicality and beat the press? You know, we all of these release techniques, and, and when you when you have that much respect with your game breaking speed, you can't get pressed as much. So, uh, Xavier Worthy is a guy I'm keeping my eye on just because he's. He's a big playmaker, and he could be a guy who, if he falls to the second round, then I'm going to be willing to pounce. But uh, he, he's one of my one of my top guys I'm paying attention to right now. No, that's good. I, I like hearing. I can and I can tell you're both talking about the the class with with a lot of passion, and that's what I'm saying, man. I, I think that you guys uh, do an amazing, underrated job here. I know a lot of people and a lot of, you have a lot of fans that tune into the show, but it's a utility at this point for, since Dynasty is a year round game. I think you're doing a real service for everybody. Well, we we I appreciate that, Alan, especially coming from you, like on the you know moderator um, contributor on the 
the Sonic Pun- Truth. Moderator, Punching Bag. I mean, I have a whole <laughs> list of titles on that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, yeah, these are conversations I just love to have. Like, I would be on the phone with Matt if we didn't do this show. Or, you know, a friend of mine, talk Cody Carpenter, Maddie Kiwoom. We'd be on the phone talking about this stuff to the point where our wives would be telling us to get off the phone, shut up, you know. So this is just something, you know, this is a passion of ours and, you know, we're happy to to bring it to the people and hopefully we we can, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, educate and, you know, keep the conversation going about Dynasty because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like you have, you were talking about, you have those conversations with your friends about football on the phone and you're like, oh man, this could be a podcast. I, I do that a lot with a couple of my buddies. Like I, we should be recording this, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's how you get into the content creation thing, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Just so you know, you're buying a $500 microphone, you're buying a light, you're buying it, and then you're broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, plug whatever you have to plug. Uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I just very, if you, at Alan Sislowski on social media, and if you have satellite radio, we're on every Sunday on Sirius XM, the fantasy sports channel, 9 a.m. If you wake up, just want Eastern time. So if you wake up, get your cup of coffee, go through your lineups. We're just updating you on all the injury stuff and just getting you ready for the week. So that's Channel 87 on SiriusXM, uh, 9 a.m. on Sundays. Beautiful. Matt Babich, what do you what are you doing these days? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Babich underscore Matt 10 uh, for anyone on on the podcast feed. Uh, that's B A B I C H. Uh, so my my main thing I'm doing right now, player profiler outside of this is is writing my weekly article uh, called Everything You Need to Know. So every week I I just kind of try and summarize the the top usage trends that I'm seeing, uh, and then try and go into some some DFS advice. Which to be honest, we've been we've had to tune our process a bit this year, but trying to essentially highlight you know who does Vegas think is going to be scoring a lot of points and, and not a lot of points. Cause we can, we can really use, you know, game totals and team totals to our advantage to, to kind of, you know, pick one person over the other in our start sets and, and identify, you know, good DFS targets. And then also kind of summon up the injuries. So, uh, you know, some highlights, you know, I told you to buy Devonte Smith right before that, right before that spike week, uh, Demario Douglas, I I've been talking about him since week five, uh, so we've had, we've had a lot of nice hits in the usage trend section. So, so be sure to check that out. That drops every Friday on playerprofilercom slash articles. Seth, do you like Babbage better with the beard, like in his, uh, Twitter picture, or do you like him clean shaven how he is now? I, I think he should really, um, experiment with a mustache, like an Arthur Smith mustache. No, 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 just, no, 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 no. I, I, I no. think, you know, he's got, he, he looks, uh, you, you look like a professor with the beard, you know? You look like a data analyst without the beard. I know I go through I go through an entire phase where uh, I guess the <laughs> you know the think- buzz the buzz is generally a little bit longer than this, but then I let it grow to like the point where you're like, okay, yeah, he you can chill, and then and then I kind of shave it back down. But you missed it last week. I was uh I was Ken for Halloween. Oh, okay, there um, you go. I got there the go. I got the hoodie that says I am Knuff and everything. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was baby face for the first time in uh like five years it was the first time i'd fully shaved in my face there you go i just gave it was guys went over there uh we're uh i was checking out your twitter profile i just followed you back there and uh Thank you, sir. following seth now so everyone no. should do the same uh like i said i'm looking forward to more of the di- oh, by the way you know what you guys mentioned that you write you do all the the video stuff i just quickly and then we'll we'll end it up which part of the content creation stuff do you enjoy the best seth you said you do all like the youtube do you like 
like designing thumbnails? Like, what is it that you love doing the best out of all the stuff that you do? I think it's having conversations like this, just about players, about process, about strategy. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the fun part for me. Um, the the whole compliance issue, you know, like it's it's necessary work, like making sure people are you know supported and doing their jobs. But it's not as sexy as you know getting to come on a show and talking about players and you know your your teams and stuff. So and giving player takes. So that's what I love. Matt. What do you? What's your yeah. answer, man? Yeah, it's it's the same for me, but I, I I didn't do it this year because of it would be too much responsibility. But one thing I actually did really enjoy was being a game analyst for for player profilers. So that was one of the mm. you know, first. Things what does a game did. analyst do? Uh, so they they are assigned to I, I I as long as it works the same way. But when I did it, you know, you got essentially one team a week, and you watched every snap of their offense. And and so we had formation charters and performance charters. And so I was a formation charter. So I, I mostly got the Patriots shout out to Cody. Um, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. I put him as my preferred team and he basically gave it to me every week. So every week I got to break down the Patriots and, and put, you know, who was lined up, like what receiver was lined up against what quarterback and then how many tight ends were on the field. So what personnel can, they're in. Exactly. So we can fuel the, the data analysis plus tool mm. on player profiler, which has all of this advanced play by play and, and formation personnel data. So, you know, being a part of not only powering that engine, but also getting to be a little bit of a film bro and not only break down an offense for every snap of every play of every game, but also get to do that. Like for my favorite team was I actually had a lot of fun doing it. Just didn't have enough time to repeat it. Yeah. That's awesome guys. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I was curious. I always like hearing what, what people, what drives them and what, what their favorite part is, because as you know, when you start doing this a little bit more than a hobby, it becomes, it because you know, we, it does become a grind. It becomes work and work we love, but I would, you know, sometimes yeah, uh, we get away from the things that we do love. I used to write a lot more. I don't do as much writing anymore that I'm doing all video editing and all that kind of stuff. But when I was writing, I was like, man, I wish I didn't have to write as much, you know? So it's <laughs> like, that's how it goes. Yeah. And it, that's, that's how I started too, Matt, is I was a game analyst. Like, gosh, it was probably four years and years ago with Cody and yeah, like doing that. And by the way, I don't know. I we're in the middle of the season now, but if anybody's interested in this, I'm sure you could reach out to me or John Adams. Absolutely. Um, and so we're always looking for. But it, it, doing being a game analyst forces you to pay attention to parts of the game that you might miss, right? Like I remember charting a, a Kansas City game, and I was like, "Who is that Nick Bolton player? Right. Holy cow! Like he just he just stuffed Derrick Henry right in the hole and drove right. him back before like, he was a was, stud. This was his rookie season." Yeah. So it's like th- things like that you notice and, and on film, if you're really paying attention, you can have some really just great insights into football. It's just like a, a lot of this stuff, some, a lot of people aren't paying attention to because it's hard to pay attention to it all. But if you're paying, if you're watching that game as closely as you are, you're going to come away with some really, really fantastic takeaways. Like I did with Nick Bolton. I was like, I think this pl- middle linebacker the Chiefs have is really good. Like, and he, he is. Seth so. signed up for an IDP league just because of that. <laughs> Drafted Nick Bolton with my first right. overall pick. Um, Seth, Seth, you're you're a very humble host. I'm, I'm going to make sure you we don't leave without you. You know, plugging you know what oh, yeah. everything you do for Player Profiler because you know you're you 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 put in a lot of work to keep this engine running. So you deserve yeah. you know your 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 time in the sunlight. 
Well, the main thing is just Twitter. I'm up over 500 followers now, thanks to Cody. I think Cody tweeted. You're figuring out memes. I figuring out memes, mostly the office. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm so thankful for anybody who would follow me and want to hear what I have to say. It's very humbling. So it's at Seth underscore D I E W O L D on Twitter. And then I have a YouTube channel too, where I post some videos of dynasty content there as well. Uh, some exciting stuff there uh, that you'll want to be tapped into. And you'll, you'll want to like this video and subscribe to the player profiler YouTube channel because like I, we say it every show. So everybody can just check it off the list. Um, I work with some of the best content creators out there. I mean, Alan's fantastic. Theo Greminger, Billy Muzio, the pod father. I mean, these are great people to work for. And I'm, I'm, I'm just very thankful that I'm able to do it. It's like, I get to say, I work in fantasy football. I love it. Hopefully the passion shines through. Hopefully that, that comes across uh, because it's real. It's real, not just with me, it's real with Matt Babich and, you know, everybody we get to work with. So I'm, I'm just very thankful for everybody and that we get to do this. And I, I know I say it every show, but player profiler is it's, it's amazing. So, and, um, and the stuff you guys are doing at Roto Wire is amazing too. I, that's the, like every, every time now, like for some reason, like I do a starter stream show on Sundays, Alan, and I'm looking on the NFL.com website for mm-hmm. the inactives. It's like low, like it's not there. I go to Roto Wire. It's there, dude. Uh, one thing I have to say, one thing Roto Wire does really like we, there's a lot of things to do well, but the one thing they do is man, the breaking news stuff is they, um, they, they sell all their breaking news to Sleeper, to Yahoo, to ESPN. All those notes you see on, on the NFL.com, all those notes you see from them are from powered by Rotowire. Wow. So good. Yep. Yeah. Be tapped into Rotowire too, everybody. Yep. There um, you go. Anyway, uh, we got, you got a bold prediction, Alan, um, before we get out of here. A bold prediction uh, for, for, uh, for the remainder of the season. Or where, I got one. Ready? Go. Okay. Just go. like last year, Christian Watson will rise from oh. the dead in week 10. Yes. And be a. L- L- league winner 